Hello and welcome to Trigonometry. I'm Francis Foster. I'm Constantine Kisson. And this is the show for you if you want honest conversations with fascinating people. Our brilliant and returning guest today is a singer-songwriter, actor, and one of our favorite human beings in the world, Lawrence Fox. Welcome back to Trigonometry. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me back. Nice and I you. should explain before we start, we are, of course, immediately in the post-lockdown situation. We've all got crazy haircuts. <laughs> Francis has lost weight, which was never going to happen otherwise. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, and the world's about to explode. How you been? Well, yeah, just in, in anticipation of the uh, apocalypse, which seems to be heading our way soon. Mm. And um, which you predicted the last time you were on the show. I mean, I, I say that with a smile. I don't know why. <laughs> it's because you, you're Russian, mate. I know. We're, we're, we're always do well in an apocalypse, don't we? Yeah, we do. Well, I don't know why I said we do. And to quote uh, Batman, some people just want to watch the world burn. And, and th- that is, of course, the three of us. <laughs> uh, not, actually, because last time you were, and being serious, you know, you said you see a fight coming and here it is. Yeah, it's not good, is it? I feel like it was already possibly too late back then, mm. in a way. Because you could see that people lost their good faith and they didn't want to talk anymore. And, that they, you know, as you go into those arguments and people are just looking to to find the the, the the tiny disagreement that they can turn into a little hand grenade that they can then turn into from a skirmish into a war. And, you know, I think we're probably we're getting there. It feels very, very une- uneasy, doesn't it? I don't. I'm not. I don't feel relaxed. I mean, no one's going to feel relaxed anyway because we're in the middle of a lockdown. But the lockdown and the combination of the, you know, this tension that's building is. Ooh. And Lawrence, you have been, dare I say, on a little bit of a journey. I mean, <laughs> euphemistically. Um, how are you, and how have you found it? Um, I'm all right now. It was pretty uh, surprising, actually, before. But then I suppose on one level, I was already poking the elephant, wasn't I? Um, Well, give us a bit of the chronology, Lawrence, because when we interviewed you, I believe that I think it's accurate to say that was the first long form interview that you'd done talking about the whole culture war stuff and your thoughts on it. And from there, you go, you do a bunch of other podcasts, and eventually you end up on Question Time, which is where I think the journey, as Francis (laughs) described it. Really starts, and we might even include a little clip of that at the top of, of of this. So, just take us from there. What what happens? So, I go into the. Um, I, I did Radio Five Live the day before with um, the eternally moderate Nihail, um, <laughs> and uh, Yasmin Alibi Brown was on before. She's me. always balanced, and you know. And I was, because I was singing as well. I was, I could hear her being interviewed, and I was just going, "Oh, really." which is what I think often when I stare at the TV. And um, so I sort of vaguely mentioned it in my interview with Nihal and then the next day in Nihal. And then I went to um, Liverpool on the train and got to question time and they they had sort of, everyone's there with their sort of assistants and, you know, people with little briefcases and lawyers things and following around their, their contestants <laughs> <laughs> and briefing them and stuff like that. And then... Um, I sort of took one look at the drinks table and thought, no, I won't do that because they lay out a load of booze. I think they probably want to kind of get people going. Yeah, so you do a George Best, basically. Do a George Best and uh, <laughs> or an Oliver Reed. And um, then, yeah, I mean, I just I just said what I thought, which I would have said at a, t- at a TV if I was staring at the TV watching it. Do you know what I mean? I, I would have said exactly the same thing. And then you forget that millions of people are watching it because you're just sort of responding how you'd respond. And then I went back to the hotel um, and Shappy wasn't 
massively keen on a chat and a catch-up post-question time moment. And then we were sitting there and I thought, oh, it's all fine. And then I went to my bedroom. You mean Shami Chakrabarti? Shami Chakrabarti. Okay, well, you're now racist because you mispronounced one word of <laughs> one, one, one letter in her name. Always suspected it. <laughs> now it's true. And yeah, so she wasn't really up for a, for a chat. And I went to my room and I sort of took one sort of brief look at Twitter and I thought, why have I got 75,000 Twitter followers? And um, then I woke up next morning and I had like 100 and something else. And it was all kind of fairly good natured at the beginning. I didn't feel too like I was being jumped on. And then sometime the next afternoon, it started getting really quite nasty. And I started going, oh, I might have to have an, uh, have an opinion about some stuff. And then it slowly descended into sort of a, 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 a major pylon and a sort of, you know, the, the bad faith pylons that Twitter are famous for. They just, you know, you want to be, people want to misrepresent you in the media or do it the same. So I then got very shocked. Um, so then went to see my doctor because I was having massive panic attacks and she gave me some pills, which are great, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I've just come off them. <laughs> um, so hang on. Mm. And, um, and I thought, oh, it'll pass, it'll blow over, give it a week. And then uh, it didn't. And it carried on going, it carried on going, and it culminated in equity, the Actors' Union, which I'd missed, actually, by the by, of them saying, you know, I'm a disgrace and denounce. And um, I'd thought, well, you know, this is that's what unions do, don't they? When you used to watch the tube strikes and stuff, you'd always have Bob Crow going, you know, using really emotive language, and you'd think, cool, whatever. But then um, someone said to me, that's a big deal, actually, because that's your actors' union. Those are the, that's, you don't want that at the top of when someone Googles Well, right, you. that would be the equivalent of Bob Crow denouncing his own transport stuff or whatever yeah, union yeah. he was Saying, head of. Lawrence Fox is the worst train driver we've got. <laughs> <laughs> World shittest train driver award goes to Lawrence Fox. I've always wanted to fight that prick, yeah. <laughs> um, right. Mm. So where was I? Yeah, so then I... Um, I, th- I, I was really shocked. Lots of, uh, you know, my family were, didn't know what to do, really. It was really affecting my family. People came after my family, came after my loved ones. And uh, I thought I have to do something practical. Can I just touch on something? What do you mean came after, Lawrence? They attacked, uh, you know, they attacked, they, they tried to d- draw divisions between my family members. You know, oh. people would, the media would comment on various parts of my, you know, relationships I was having within the family that they just weren't informed about. Um, so it's, and I then got some calls from my family saying that what, what are we going to do about this? Because this is um, really upsetting for everybody. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, know, I get it. <laughs> I'm right there. And, um, so it just got worse and worse and worse. I uh, threatened to sue Equity for defamation because I think at the end of the day, you know, what they said to me was was unfair. I didn't think I was really, I mean, I, I admit, you know, it's a co- fairly controversial thing to say that Meghan Markle as an actress may have an ego that may, <laughs> you know, and want to be centre of attention, which is sort of what I was saying. I didn't really have any interest in the colour of her skin or anyone else's skin, really, because I just, it's not really, I know it's, it's really bad to say that, isn't it? Yeah, it's horrific. I mean, the thing I, I actually said at the time is, and this is a, purely a reflection of my ignorance about Meghan Markle. I'm mm. not, I don't watch that many movies with, with her in them. Um, I didn't realize that she was quote unquote black. Like people with is her she, skin is she, tone. Is she black? Well, apparently. 
Oh, okay. Right. No, I didn't. I still don't know. That. Right. I just want to say I'm a massive fan of you, Megan. <laughs> Francis is a massive fan. <laughs> Any woman of color, really. The, yeah. he, but but I'm very liberal. Anyway, let's carry on. Very progressive, <laughs> uh, especially down below the waist. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but this is the point: is like I didn't know that she was she was black. I don't think people did, did they? I, th- I, I think there was there have been rumblings in the press of. Um, the fact that she was being treated different. But, I mean, I don't really read the press. So all I the last time I'd seen Meghan Markle was at her wedding. Mm. And that looked like a pretty nice shindig to me. <laughs> and um, it looked like, you know, they were interviewing people outside and we all watched it as a family and it was like, raw wedding time, we love it. And everyone was like, this is brilliant, she's great. Mm. I'd, I'd not read anything negative about her. So I was like, come on, guys, this is not about racism. This is about an actress who has not properly thought through what, giving your life in service to the crown is all about. Well, that's part of it. I think the other part of it is what happened is she started and then encouraged Harry to start lecturing the public about how they should mm. behave. That, and, and you made that point on Question Time about actors, you know, actors who yeah. preach about, you know, at the time it was Extinction Rebellion, that was the big thing, yeah. and then to hop in their private jet and go to the Bahamas for a three-week beach holiday, right? And it, it, that's kind of what, what the, the royals, those two royals were doing. And I think a lot of the public, and as reflected in some of the press, were, were pissed off about that. As, and as you said, that's not really about race, is it? That's No, I don't think it is. P- people don't like being lectured to anyway, do they? And also... the, the when you're finding things to divide people, it's it, it stops conversations. So, you know, if you subjectivize something like race, which you've got to do, because you've, if someone says, you do, you, the only lived experience you have in life is your own, that's it. The, there is no other lived experience but your own. And, you know, you can sort of see into the windows of other people's that you know really well. But um, so you one wasn't denying uh, subjective feelings of racism, but this sort of overwhelming, we are the really, ra- really racist. And I'm like, well, you know, we live, we're so racist. Then why are people crossing the Mediterranean on rubber dinghies to get to these horrible, bigoted shores of ours? I mean, Francis and I both have met real racists, so it's not like they don't exist. And I, I know work with one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, know, I know he is. I don't know why I'm here. Are you foreigners? So, so, so now, you can, now you know you've met some real racists as well. Yeah, um, welcome. Uh, so, I mean, they do exist. Yeah, the question is, is one stupid racist reflect, reflective of society? That's, that's really the question that you were addressing. Yeah. Mm. And, that, and it's, um, it becomes an agenda then, slightly, it feels to me. So if you're going to talk about systemic racism, then at some point I'm going to need some facts. Mm. That's, I'm just going to need it because I, I can't take your word for it if that's not my lived experience now I'm you know I qualify that by saying I don't I haven't had the lived experience of uh you know I was speaking to a friend the other day he said you've not been called a packy and being told to go home I mean the home secretary said it on tv yeah. but apparently I read yesterday that that's gaslighting other ethnic minorities <laughs> and you're like if the home secretary who's brown has a view and says I was called a packy in the schoolyard and then you're going she's now the home secretary that would point towards the fact that possibly this country is quite progressive in terms of how we handle race but so essentially race is now an opinion rather than a color of your skin it seems to me and I was because when you were talking about it did you feel that you sort of stumbled into a landmine issue or onto a landmine issue without being fully aware of what would happen. Yeah, no, I had no idea. I thought it was a fairly sensible comment. I mean, I I didn't look at it for a long time, and then I looked at it, 
um, much later on. And I thought, yeah, no, I do believe that. I stand by that. There's nothing. I mean, I maybe shouldn't have banged my head on the desk because that was just slightly disrespectful. But it was frustrating. And you, you're, you're being walked into an argument that it, the minute you accept the argument exists, you're, you've lost the argument. Because I didn't accept the terms of the argument that she was laying down. So therefore, it wasn't really, it wasn't really an argument. It was a lecture. And, you know, nothing bristles some of them being lectured to. We don't want to lecture to each other. We want to talk to each other. Absolutely. And then there was obviously the Sikh comment, which is where it actually really, really went yeah. to the next level and it, it all became very, very vitriolic. Would you like to tell us about what happened there? Well, the Sikh comment was um, in, a, in a podcast. And, you know, also, listen, the thing about podcasts is that they're opportunities because they're long-form discussions. They're opportunities to talk. You don't turn up with the finished article of your ideas, do you? You don't turn up and go, right, uh, this is my position on X, Y, and Z. You talk to learn, to understand, to gain more insight and knowledge. So I did think when I saw 1917, I thought it felt slightly tokenistic that there was just one Sikh soldier. I thought you could have a, a platoon in the back of that truck. And, you know, and so it's a fairly innocuous statement. I mean, helpful, possibly not. Was Sam Mendes trying to do something really good and to point out? Yeah, absolutely. But it, again, it was a bad faith argument. It's like, you know what I meant, you know. And But this is what I said to you at the time, man, is like, I knew exactly what you meant. And the funny thing about that is, obviously people won't know this, but you were the one that recommended I watch 1917 before that. You actually gave me a DVD of it yeah. to watch. And you said, this is a great movie. Yeah, it is a go, great movie. Go watch it. And I did. Uh, but the, the, the thing with that comment was, I think everybody knew exactly what you meant, uh, including many Sikhs who, who came out and supported you. But but you can't give an inch to these people. You, if you allow them even any opportunity to misinterpret something you say, they will go for you. I think that's right. And that's fine because people are in charge of themselves and have their own agency. And that's cool. Where it stops being fine is the media. So um, I would remember David Williams, then um, charming dude that he is with possibly no dark past, um, <laughs> standing, on, um, standing on the stage at the National Television Awards talking about how empty my diary was. And yes. he was slightly hissed in a way. He was. Food. It wasn't appreciated. And then he went on to make a joke about Caroline Flack straight after. And then Caroline Flack, who's in a slightly different position to me emotionally, for whatever reason, we're two separate individuals, went on to take her own life. And I would say that, that, that the, the media and herself and all of everything, but are culpable in some aspect of that, and including David Williams. And David Williams's approach was just to turn off Twitter for seven days and then get back to posting pictures of his dog. So, yeah, I think that it's important that we, we are, we're able to just freely express ourselves in good faith. And, and that Sikh comment was, you know, people knew, people knew what I was saying. But, you know, I had to go on this. I went on Good Morning Britain. I think ultimately what I really should have done was just shut all the doors to everything and, and hunker down. But because of this thing about the fact that they won't let you go, they're like dogs, wild dogs coming after you, you have to fight back. Mm, you do. Which yeah. I did fight back for a while. But then I, I looked at the seat comment and I, looked at it and I thought, you know what, 
that I could I could misinterpret that. And in order to reduce flames and energy and heat and anger, because that's what you want to do in life, that's what I want to do in life, uh, while still maintaining the right to freedom of speech, um, I thought I will just say, look, I think everyone who died in war and everyone who served in war is a really bad thing. And, you know, it just re-energizes them to come. So you can't really, once you've been tarred and feathered, all you're doing is getting more tar and more feathers every time you open your mouth. So, you know, like... That's why Trump is so successful, because he just doesn't care. It's like the man is Teflon, isn't he? You say anything to him, and he just and he's just like he doesn't care to the point of of comedy almost. And Lawrence, I was going to ask as well: is with social media, do you think that what it makes social media what social media does is it makes it very very easy to demonise someone? Because sitting opposite from you, I get the fully rounded human being, mm. but. On Twitter, you just get the avatar with a little picture. Therefore, it makes it so much easier to create in my mind who you are. Mm, absolutely, it's the t- Twitter's a is a is a horrible place. You know, I turn it off once in a while. I certainly turned it off. I had to turn it off at one point because I was going, "Geez, I'm never going to get another job." And um, you know, but it, it still happens. The the problem is once you stifle a really little debate like about nuance if you take something nuanced and and someone takes a very strong position on a very nuanced issue then when you get to the big issues you're fucked Mm. because you know and so it's it's in bad faith this thing and I know I keep saying it but I'm done with that conversation so it and that's really sad and that's why we're heading towards where we're heading probably this well last weekend depending you know is that people are just putting down words and they're picking up aggression and anger and violence and you know and where's that going to lead us and the point you made about the media i think is very powerful right now but actually you reminded me when you talked about the david williams joke that joke land uh, as comedians we can you you know when a joke works mm. or not that joke died yeah well, on a, I think it died on its ass but here's my point i i only found out about what happened and read about it and watched it because i saw a newspaper article which said David Williams brilliantly destroys Laura or something mm. along those lines. They they just lied. They just fucking lied. They took something that happened and they misrepresented it as the opposite. Yeah. How's how does that how does that happen? David Williams largely succeeds in <laughs> <laughs> David Williams' largely peaceful character assassination yeah. of Lawrence Fox. Um you know, it's really bad. I, I'm all right because I, I have a really good support network. But you do have to think about the people that aren't all right. And you do have to think about that, you know, what are the likelihood of people appearing in reality TV shows ending up with severe mental health problems? Yeah. You know, and uh, how much of this is Twitter's responsibility? Um, and, you know, someone said to me recently, they said, I was like, I'm, I can't, I've just got to get off Twitter. I can't cope with it. And they said the best minds in, you know, in the Silicon Valley are working on ways of keeping you on Twitter. Mm. The smartest, cleverest people are trying to keep you on there. And it's and you go, yeah, we're, this is a this is bad. This is really, really painful. So I think the the only constant I can find in the whole thing, and it's not all the media either. It's the it's the outrage media that have just gone. They've got dealt their hand, and their hand is like the ten of truth, the jack of honesty, and the six of um, whatever. And and they just throw it down, and they go, right, what do I want to do here? And I suppose they've always done it, but it's probably got more power now. It's got more reach, you've got more shares. Everything I say, for example, is digitally permanently there. It isn't like people used to say in the olden days. It isn't yesterday's tomorrow's chip paper even. It's there for you to see. But I mean, I, I would rather speak a lot and get a few things wrong than not speak at all, ever. Mm. 
Hello and welcome to my hangout. It's Boro Del Legende. Now, we have got a new sponsor for you this week. It's Config RIT. Configure IT, basically. And they are an IT company and they can do a whole load of things for you. Allow me to explain. If your business wants to migrate workload to the cloud, and let's be fair, during COVID, who wouldn't want to be in a cloud, mate? If you want to reinforce your network security, but do not have the expertise, oh, I don't. If you need to deploy a network solution, whether it's on your on-premises, cloud, or Wi-Fi infrastructure, I don't know what any of those words mean. If you want to upgrade your network estate or improve its monitoring, if you need to link your staff, customers, and workload, wherever they are, then contact Config RIT to configure it, document it, and support it. So, if you want to discuss your IT networking and security requirements, go to Config RIT, and their website is config-r-it.co.uk. These people really know what they're doing with IT. Unlike me, I've just spoken a load of words. I've got no idea what any of this means. And I remember on our first interview when you started saying you know, your opinions, some of which I really agreed with in my, in, in my head, because I know a little bit about acting. I've got friends who are actors. I'm thinking, he's fucking nuts. <laughs> Can't say that and expect because acting, as we all know, is the most liberal in inverted commas uh, industry there is. And by that, I mean it's famously illiberal if you disagree with any of what they say or think. How have you found that your bookings have gone down? Have they been reduced and all the rest of it? Well, we hit the lockdown, didn't we? But I did get the, my favourite ever text message um, saying something along the lines of acting, what are you doing? Acting is the most liberal, compassionate business in the fucking world. You'll never work again. <laughs> And I'm like, you, I mean, what, how do I deal with this as a text message? I think that there are, what's so interesting about acting that I've noticed now, because I've started to look at it, is I don't look at the ones that do the, I'm responsible. <laughs> I don't look at those ones. I look for who's not in those videos. Yeah. Mm. And I've started to see, and you start to notice who's not in those videos. And then you start to look who, what sort of parts they play and stuff like that. And you start to go, oh, okay, so there is, a, there is something going on. There is a culture also within show business. But, you know, we are, we are, I think a lot of films now, you often with your leading males especially, they're, they're, they're much less sort of, I don't know, testosterone-y than they would have been back in the day. They're much more available and vulnerable than, than your, your classic leading man would have been. And hence, you know, the films have a slightly different quality to them. You know, there's, there's less shootouts. You, know, you tend to get uh, one or two films a year where you'll get a lot of proper meted out kind of Western style violence or whatever. And then the rest will be sort of complex dramas that, you know, you're, that, it's like watching your best friends. So it's like, I don't, I'm, I want to be transported when I watch films. So I've started watching older films again now. I mean, older films for me, like, you know, Goodwill Hunting or something like that, that are, they're not all so problematic. I mean, I watched Mrs. Doubtfire the other day and I was triggered. Oh, mate, <laughs> mate, you watch anything from like 10 years ago and you're going, what, they made this? <laughs> what? And it's like 10 years ago. But you know, it, it, as you were talking there, it, it reminded me of something because 
I, I, I talked a lot to my, my grandparents and parents about life in the Soviet Union. And th the stuff you're talking about where you have to look for who's not signing up to a cause is exactly what we had. Like I get messages now from people going, oh, you know, by the way, this other comedian, he's one of us. And I'm going, like, what do you mean, one of us? Like, why do we have to speak in hushed tones and private messages about us? Like, this is, there's something seriously fucked up here. If, if people like us have to, you know, gather in private and, you know, keep, the, keep our voices down, which is what's happening. But what's so good is now we're living in the world where people have the most information they've ever had. Yeah. So that's a good thing when people use it well, and it's a really bad thing when people use it badly. But ultimately, you know, if it all goes wrong, we can just go and live in Chaz. <laughs> <laughs> I want a passport. <laughs> I love the fact that they've given it the name of a really posh woman from Clapham. <laughs> Chaz, darling. Chaz. And next door they'll have Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure we're going to get visas for that, mate. Do you not think they we're welcome in? No, I, 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 yeah. we might have the wrong skin colour, mate. Are we not the... Are we not the we're just... The, Different signs of the same coin. This is the whole point, isn't it? You've got, you, throughout history, there's been sort of crazy doomsday cultist lunatics, and they have to be countered with, you know, fairly rational, reasoned, sensible thought. But we've, it's exploding now because I think people forget as well. A friend of mine said to me the other day, he went, I, I didn't realize how, how thick some younger students were because he said they just didn't, they've not been taught this stuff. No. So I was taught at school about um, the Soviet Union and I was taught about Nazi Germany and we, we studied it in Crystal Math and all this stuff, you know, not to some great standard. I'm not the smartest man in the world, but I know about it and I know the motives behind it and I, you can see the trajectory of how these things play out. I don't think these guys get taught it. I think they're far too busy being taught that, you know, to fail his first attempt at learning or something. You know, it's, it's sort of, there's a sort of, I don't know, it's, it, it lacks... It lacks weight. None of the arguments have any weight. So I'm yet to meet someone. I mean, what's that dude on David Pakman? He, he's got some fairly decent left-wing arguments. But it, and, you know, my mate Paul has got some good left-wing arguments. But I, and I appreciate those. But, you know, the screechy, screechy, fuck you, fuck you stuff is like, well, where do I go with that, mate? You know, you scream at me all you want at the end of the day. Where, 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 where does it end? Either I turn you off. Or, you, you know, I can turn you off, you see. I just do nowadays. I don't block them. I just mute them. Mm. And I just have this wake up and with a warm feeling of someone going, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, <laughs> into the ether for forever. And how do we get out of this situation? Because it just feels, and I don't think it's unfair in saying this, in that it just feels like it's getting worse all the time. How do we get out? I don't think, we're gonna, I don't think we are going to get out. Thanks, mate. I'm sorry. I just, I've got a feeling that there's a cycle of life. And after a long period of peace, people want to, a fight and it, fe it feels so aggressive and so it doesn't feel like there is a conversation to be had and it also feels like people are taking sides as well like you know corporations are taking sides individuals are taking sides there and they're, they're sort of weighing up who's going to win and go um i'll be on that side and ultimately you know it does it feels like those with the, those that are willing to uh, fight in the cruelest and nastiest way probably probably going to win but ultimately the best reaction the, the best generals in response are the ones that are much more cold and much more measured you know and they just go right, this is how i will defeat you in the long run but i've got a feeling it will get bad i don't feel it's it doesn't seem like it's getting any less bad does it you know it's 
I, I feel very depressed about it and I feel sad for my kids, you know. And, you know, I said, I said the other day about this taking the knee thing, I was like, I, I just wholly stand by anyone's right and desire to take the knee. I'm just not going to do it. Because, and I was walking around the park with that dude, Amru, because he started slagging me off on Twitter and he lives in near where I live. And I was like, why don't we just get together for a chat? And he's a, a left-wing trans person yeah, of colour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he's got a lot of intersections going <laughs> on. And uh, I, he was slagging me off. And I was like, hey, man, nice to meet you. And I think that disarms people sometimes. And I said, um, listen, don't, you don't need to hate me. We can talk. Why don't we go for a walk? You've got a dog, I've got a dog. So we go for a walk. He explains to me that, um, you know, why taking a knee is a good idea. And I said to him, Okay, I take that on board. But you have to understand that in our sort of all the way up from sort of feudal culture through the mid- the Middle Ages up to today where you're taking a knee to get knighted by the Queen, as part it's ingrained in every sort of person in English culture that taking a knee has a totally different significance than it does to where what it does for, you know, people in America perhaps or people somewhere else. So there is an argument there for someone to defend the right to say, well, I see it as an act of subservience rather than an act of solidarity. It's it's that's okay, in my view. Anyway, Amru then says to me, um, so good to talk to you. This is in public. He's going, so good to talk to you, I recommend you read this book. So I go, great. I'll get that book and I'll read it. Uh, I recommend you read Doug's Murray, The Madness of Crowds. And he went, no, I'm not going to read th- that transphobe stuff. And having read Doug's Murray, and uh, there's nothing transphobic about the man at all. He, in fact, the, his chapter on trans issues in The in the Madness of Crowds is so sensitively handled that I thought, wow, that's incredibly withheld for, you know, someone who can be quite pointed like Douglas. And, and, and I just thought, that's, there we have it. The difference between you and me, Amru, is I'll read your book, but you won't read mine. And therefore, you know, when it comes to a fight, which no one wants, you're fighting with one hand tied behind your back if you come from a place of reason because they don't care what the rules are. I think it's quite deliberate. I think it's the way that the the ideology is designed. It's designed in such a way that it it's closed off to external information because if you if you argue as they do that words are violence mm-hmm. that by uh, saying that you don't think that, you know, if you just say that you're a woman right now, you you like that you've become a woman, for example, right? That is erasing the identity of somebody or that is violence against them. And if that's the case, well, if, if I thought that reading a book is the equivalent of punching me in the face, maybe I wouldn't want to read that book either. Mm-hmm. So if you think in that way, it all internally within that system makes sense. And that's how the system is designed. It's designed to prevent new information from coming in. Yeah, well, it's, 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 it is what it is. That relig- it's a religion. It's an impenetrable, very dangerous religion. And, you know, and they keep coming up with these. It, the, the problem is they can't live up to the, their own edicts. So essentially, they, the only way they can forgive is by forgiving their own kind. You know, so you'll have Trudeau taking a knee. And at no point will anyone point out the enormous hypocrisy of the fact that he had to build his own um, penis out of whatever in socks in his when he was blacked himself up for stuff. And you're like, that takes. Wait, effort. did he do that? You blacked your own knees up in your ripped jeans. Like you really went to town on this look, Trudeau. Yeah. You know, and um, 
and I just think it makes no sense, and therefore it's very difficult to live in a world. So, in my sense, sort of, oh, woe is me, Lawrence. I'm like, how can these people constantly come up with new edicts that they break day after day after day, throw themselves endlessly into these problems, and constantly forgive each other, but everyone else is a heretic? What's the way out of that? Because the the rational and sensible people in this world are not going to put up with that. And, you know, they were saying 70% of Democrats in America were in support of, of the National Guard going on to the... 70% of Americans, sorry, not mm. the Democrats, were in support of putting the National Guard in the streets during the riots. And, I mean, I, I, I couldn't get 70% of people to agree on anything. Mm. So there is a groundswell against these guys. And then, you know, you worry about wh- where that groundswell manifests itself. And, you know, you g- go and try and pull down the wrong statue with a few people that are fiercely patriotic in, you know, in the sense that they are patriotic, and you're going to have a big rumble. And who wants that? And why are the police not stopping that? And why are we not, you know, why is that? It shouldn't be happening. It offends people. You don't want to, don't offend people. Francis, before you jump in, just very quickly, I should say we're recording this on a Friday before a weekend. Mm. Who the fuck knows what's going to happen, man? Anyway, go, go for it. Ah, um, but I think the problem is, is that we're, I think it comes to both sides, isn't it? In that they're unaware at times of their own, of what will be the long-term consequences of these actions. So they pulled down the Edward Colson statue now. There's perhaps a very strong argument that we shouldn't have a statue of somebody who made a large amount of money from slavery. However, by taking down the statue, that then creates a ripple effect where we look at all other statues and go, well, should we take this down? Should we take that down? Should we take down Cromwell's statue after the atrocities in Ireland? And then what you start to have is erasing people's history, which will then really rankle with the other side. But people don't seem to want to acknowledge that. It's crazy, especially over the statue thing, because also is it, as much as there's an argument for removing it, there's an mm. argument for leaving it in place, right? So it's whatever happens, the argument for leaving it in place is, you know, I, you take your children to the statue and they go, who's that? And you go, well, this guy was a famous slave trader. And they're like, what's slavery? And you tell them. Yeah. Mm. So it's, there's a great, there's a solid argument for that, but there's also a solid argument for removing it. But whatever the argument is, it needs to be a democratic process. Mm. Because once the mob take over... It's like, hang on a minute, You're, you know, that's not how we do these things. If, I mean, I don't know the history of the statue, so I think they had been lobbying the council to have it removed and whatever, but yeah. They, slow... they had a vote on it, and it, it was 54% of people didn't want it removed. Well, there so, you go. So, and, and maybe, look, if they had a vote now, I'm sure it would be removed. Yeah. And your point about the democratic, democratic process is absolutely right. It's interesting that you mentioned that there's an argument for keeping these things up, maybe with a plaque that explains who this person was, what they did, etc. Because I went to school and in my school uh, one of the, the alumni was uh, Douglas Haig who was the commander of the British Armed Forces in World War One, right? Responsible for the over-the-top tactics etc. which which are largely acknowledged as being terrible having led to the deaths of thousands of young British men for no purpose whatsoever. And we were taught about this at school. We would walk past this statue every single day and then we'd go to a history class where they would tell us, this is what this guy did. He was a fuck up, right? And we'd learn about it. Mm. What, do you want, what, what, what do you want to arm children with? Knowledge. That's what you want to arm them with. You don't want to arm them with opinions. You know, you can give, your kids are going to pick up your own opinions anyway, aren't they? And they're going to pick up the opinions of the, the people that teach them and all that sort of stuff. But you arm them with knowledge and you give them the tools to understand. 
And I've, I've got a, a horrible feeling that it's been, this has been going on for years, this deliberate indoctrination and removal of any form of ability to think for yourself, critically think, and you're just sat there. You know, I have lots of conversations with people where they're like, they'll just spew things that aren't true at me. And I'll have to go, okay, but this is the thing. This is the truth. It's like having an argument with someone who's screaming in your face and you video it on your phone and you then you show it back to them and they went, I wasn't angry with you. <laughs> and you're like, okay, where I don't even know where we begin. So yeah, educate, educate, educate. Kids are curious creatures. I care, mainly I, the reason why I actually say this stuff is because I have children. Uh, I don't really care so much for myself, but I'm looking at this going, God, if it's this bad now, what's it going to look like when they're young adults? I don't want them getting into a scrap. So sort of vainly and stupidly, I thought, well, maybe it is worth lobbing my five eggs into this conversation. But um, oh boy, have they tried to uh, make me pay for it. And, it's been painful. And Lawrence, do you regret getting involved in this conversation? No, no. Truth's the truth, man. You've got to stick to the truth. Truth is what, is, what, what matters. Truth, information, allowing people to work out what to think. Argue the shit out of it. Fight with each other. Disagree. Don't fight physically, but really, you know, allow it. Allow it to happen. Allow these conversations to happen. If they don't happen, other things happen. And that's what happens. Profound shite of the day. No, it's not shite at all because this is, you know, this is why we started the show. We started the show two years ago and on a much smaller scale, but we've gone through exactly the same thing with our careers. Um, but I've got to be honest with you, and I've said this to people in private, but I'll say it to you now. I think we're failing. I don't, I don't think we're succeeding. What, I, I what do you mean? I mean that the way the world is going, I don't think us talking about it is, is going to stop it. So what's the alternative? I don't know. That's a Russian in you coming out again, mate. <laughs> I'm going to write a three and a half hour play about it where the protagonist shoots himself at the end. Well, and we'll call it a comedy. Yeah, exactly. That's a Chekhov joke for anybody. Anyway. Well done, mate. That's the first time Francis has elevated himself above the level of wank jokes in, the, in, in, in about three months. <laughs> we'll be back to wank jokes, guys. Don't worry about it. I know my core audience. <laughs> Um, so what the, I don't I know man I, I want to have an answer I want to go this is what we do and then this is what we do and then this is what we do but all, all I can see now as I look into the future is how do you stop the violence in the short term okay well you prevent the protesters from different sides from getting together that's what you do right what do you do after that what's the next step it's that, it's that one up there I'm afraid it's the only answer whether you believe in it or not it's the only answer because what are we going to come out of this with we're certainly not going to come out of the situation that we've just been through with a great faith in scientists. Oh. <laughs> 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 it's like, don't worry, I'm a scientist. I'd be like, oh, fuck. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the scientists are the new estate agents nowadays, right. aren't they? Mm. It's yeah. like, so people need meaning, right? We've spent a long time looking for science. We have to turn around and look to the, to the values, the real values that society was built on. And those are Judeo-Christian values. And that's, you got to look up there and look at what was said by him and what was said by the people that followed him. That's what I reckon. That's my view. And that's not coming from a person who's like profoundly religious. I'm just going, there is a manual. There's, they wrote a book about this before, you know, and, and try and bring some of those, those values back. You know, very complex things within the Bible that are really tricky to get your head around. And they can educate. And, you know, all you can do is educate your kids, educate the people around you. Like, I've, I, I've sort of took, took a bit of a break off Twitter and I've started using our family WhatsApp group hmm. instead. 
She's like, I want to share this information because you know you're not going to get back, but you can still disagree, mm. you know, and just gather with all sorts of people and always offer them your good faith. That's the only thing I can think because, you know, the, it's going to be abused regardless by a small minority. But I think they are a small minority. I don't think people are as stupid as the media think they are. And I don't think people are as sheepy as um, the media and the Twitter think they are. And I think people think that Twitter's real world and it absolutely isn't. You know, think about all the people that don't tweet, man. I got a stack of letters, a stack, huge stack of letters just from people saying, thank you so much for saying that, you know. And it's like 33 Cosgrove Lane, Lincolnshire, you know, and it's like... Well, there's someone getting fucking cancelled right now. <laughs> the police were called to 33 Cosgrove Lane, Lincolnshire this morning with reports of a man. Um, yeah, so I think there's a, there's a very... Look, the, the, the more peaceful side of the argument is quieter. It doesn't want to get into trouble. I'm in trouble. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I am, but I'm not. I, ultimately, I'm not because I'm not. I'm not. I know that I'm not trying to operate my heart in a negative and malicious way and malevolent way to cause other people harm. I'm trying to go. Let's not cause each other harm. Mm. And in spite of all of the shit that has been chucked at me, I'm grateful for that shit actually because it makes you stronger. And you know, you. I just don't feel you can do that alone. As I said before, I'm just like when I felt like that, I'm like that. Help me, please. Get me out of this. I don't go like, or I call a friend or whatever, but I'm not like, oh, maybe I'll read this. You know, it's like, no, it's it's within you. You know, the world is within you. Your world is the world. So, you know, you're better off being yourself than being anyone else, as Oscar Wilde said, isn't it? And do you think there are a lot of, there are some people who use what is happening very cynically as a way to promote their career? <laughs> Well, no. <laughs> Francis. <laughs> You're now responsible. <laughs> I'm responsible. <laughs> I, yeah, totally. But, uh, you know, also, I don't blame them. It, have, you, have your opinion. It doesn't bother me. Just allow me mine. Mm. And then that is where we're fucked, mm. is the fact that we're fighting over the right to have an opinion. And that, that by that time, like I said, in the bad faith argument, it's, you, you've already lost. Mm. Mm. You know, if, we, if you're not meeting someone and going, I have an opinion, you have an opinion. You know, the, the, I could see the way that Amory was looking at me. He'd made up his mind about me, and I'm never going to change his mind about me, but it will never stop me inviting him to go for a walk. And that's the best you can do. And you hope that what that in some recess of my brain stuff that he says, he said something really interesting to me about racism, right, which stuck with me, and I've kept it. He said, it's like mosquito bites being subjected to racist uh, attacks mm. like one is not too bad it's mm. a bit annoying but he says get hundreds of them mm. your life becomes unbearable mm. and that really stuck with me and i thought that's a really brilliant way of explaining it and i've taken that away and i've thought yeah we should be more we, we should be, be gentler and and more understanding and more aware of these issues because they do cause people great hate but on when I returned with, you know, well, later on around our little walk around the park and I spoke about the, you know, what kneeling potentially would mean to, you know, someone who, who born English, went to an English school, you know, whatever colour or, or, that they are. It's like, no, don't agree. And I'm like, OK, well, then, you know, we're fucked then, aren't we? Mm. But you've got to keep talking to them yeah. because you've got to love them. Mm. Love thy, love your, what is it? Love the enemy? Well, I'm really good. At <laughs> what is it? Oh, stab uh, him in the face. Uh. Hello. Love your enemies. Yeah. You know, you do. Mm. It's, 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 there's no other way. What do you want to do? Like, build a heart full of hatred for these people. I'm like, no, fuck off. I love you. It's fine. 
do what you want, do your worst as well. And I remember always remember this quote. We were talking to Count Dankula, the guy who made the pug video, and he said something that always stuck with me. He said, we don't really believe in forgiveness anymore. Mm. Do you think that's the case? Well, they don't, certainly. The, mm. the woke, there is no forgiveness in that religion, is mm. there? Because it's so immediate and the intersections are so constant mm. that it, or it's like ISIS. Um, someone was saying to me that it, within ISIS as an organisation, you know, if you're not the most hardcore terrorist, then you'll kill the slightly less hardcore one. You know, so it's a competition. It's a race to the top of extremism. And, you know, so, the, so they incentivize you becoming more and more crazy and insane. And, you know, look, they're cancelling their own now. So hopefully they'll, you know, go and all go off to Chaz for summer. <laughs> Do you think they'll summer in Chaz? Where are you summering this year? Chaz. Do you know how transformational that would be for so many people to go and actually see their little utopia play out? In all its horror and dirty glory. Well, I, it, maybe that's why he's leave, that, maybe that's why the uh, the orange man bad is <laughs> is leaving, not saying anything about it. Just he wants them all to form one big chaz and just leave them in there for but a couple also, of yeah, couple of weeks. They'll learn. America's in a place where what would happen if he ordered his generals to go into and break up chaz? That's that's where America's at. So that we think we're febrile. Yeah, you know, imagine saying to the police, "Go and protect that statue," and the police going, "No." Yeah. I'm just going to stop the conversation. Do you know how mental the, what has just happened is? Well, yeah. So yeah, there's like a little independent republic now that has called itself Chaz that has walled itself off from everyone, where people now want to live independently, and in in downtown Seattle, and everyone's like, "Okay." I think it's just like, funny okay. now. I think it's just funny. Just going, <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny now you can't not laugh you can't take this stuff seriously and it's obviously a stupid little game because the moment the power companies turn off the electricity and the city stops taking away the trash and the vegan sausages run out or the vegan so- uh, I, I was going to talk about something happened but I can't even be bothered like <laughs> it's 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 just a joke. It's a, it's a game that they play and they pretend that it's real, but it's not. But and I don't know what to do about it because it's just how can you not laugh at it anymore? They're like they're like, they're like badly behaved kids. Mm. Right? No, <laughs> I'm living here and this is my castle. You're not coming into my castle because my castle is a nice castle with nice princesses and princesses who are really nice to each other. Is that okay, man? Cool. Um, <laughs> See you in a bit. <laughs> Enjoy Chaz. Enjoy Chaz. Brilliant name. I mean, I, Constantine and I disagree with this. I think a lot of the reason why we've ramped up the insanity is lockdown. Yeah, no, I, I, think, I think you're right. And then part of me thinks that's, that, I mean, the really cynical, horrible part of my brain thinks that that's all part of the idea, all part of the plan, was to, to, was to put people into that position and then... <laughs> wind them up and see what happened you know because i mean at the end of the day what how many i mean look lots of people have died and it's a fucking horrific tragedy and it's really bad for old people but is the reaction proportionate to the danger i don't know certainly not the reaction was certainly proportionate to what niall ferguson said the danger was but in with hindsight are we going to look back and say the reaction was proportionate to this danger i think possibly not Well, his penis didn't. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I still can't hate him. You can't. You got to respect the guy. He's <laughs> yeah. batting way above his average. He's got the opportunity. He's went for it. How romantic is that, honey? I've risked death to be here. 
death my career and the future of the country just to be here. That's how much I love you, baby. Oh, just, them both getting into their little scientific suits, just <laughs> <the> little, <laughs> unzipping their hole. Yeah. It was, um, you know, hazmat shagging. Yeah. Yeah. It's hot. Well, I mean, why did we buy it? It's so English, that, isn't it, as well? Like, we sort of have a, like, you think, ah, oh, good old English spirit, we'll get out of this in some way, and then it all ends up fucked. Yeah. It's so tr- <laughs> English, like, we'll solve this, no problem. And then, like, two months later, everyone's like, going, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you've totally fucked everything. I'll, I'll tell you why I disagree with the two of you about the lockdown being the critical issue here, because... I, I just see this, you said it, you said it here seven months ago before there was any lockdown, before we had COVID-19. This was always going to be the final destination. Mm. And it's the product of 30 or 40 years of the long march to the institutions, indoctrinating young people into thinking or not thinking and feeling everything. If I feel this is true, then it's true. Um, and you see this playing out now. Maybe it, it accelerated the process, but I don't. I don't think it's... No. I don't think it's the lockdown what did it. I think it's the fact that for 40 years they've been making this happen. And, you know, we live in the, we, you know, ultimately we live in the freest, most democratic situation in the history of mankind. And, you know, if you're still moaning about things, then, you know, on your iPhone, you know, I've, my kids can't even believe that I didn't have an iPhone when I was a kid. When, they just don't understand mm. it. Really? So, yeah, yeah, they're just like, oh, rubbish. How did you... Get in touch with people. What happened when your dad went away at work? I said, I never spoke to him. He went away for three months. And then he came back. It was too expensive to call on a landline to, you know, wherever he was filming. It's like they just don't understand it. So there is an element of being a bit spoiled, I think. And uh, I don't like the argument that um, we're not doing enough to uh, try and reduce inequality because what all none of these conversations seem to be about reducing inequality at all they seem to be about maximizing it and uh maximizing division and all of the things i mean i've said it from the beginning i think the wokey bunch are exactly what they accuse you of Mm. to the very core and it starts off with racism you know well they're racist i've always said they're the new racist that's what they are so easy to to you know throw it all at somebody else and it's so sad yeah, I mean, I feel, I'm, I wish I could go like, there's an answer. But I'm like, there isn't. I mean, you know, people probably try and cancel me again because I would have said something stupid. Well, fuck off, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but we got to talk. Yeah, And, talk. you know, you guys have put this together in, in that way. And, you know, people disagree. But just disagree. Don't just go, fuck, 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 fuck. That doesn't work. Just go, this is why I disagree with you. Engage with people. Do it in good faith. And we will we will move on. But we've done it, man. Like, we, we've invited people who are critical of us onto the show. And do they come? No. No. They, they say, uh, we don't want to come on your show. You're, I'm going to be physically attacked by your violent whatever Words. follow follow no followers oh yeah but that's, that, how they I, that's what that's Nihal how they was saying it. to me the other day and he was saying to me he's like all of your followers are like white supremacists i'm like all right okay yeah all of them are yeah mm. yep okay yeah end of and I, the, our fans don't attack people they don't go after people uh and they don't do any of that we just get people on to talk and we had lord adonis on the show the architect of the remain the remain second referendum all of that shit people downvoted the video some of them. Some people upvoted the video and appreciated that we had a conversation. That was it. Mm. That was it. Yeah. Like, mm. he, Lord Adonis is like Lord Voldemort yeah. to, to the pro-Brexit crowd. 
We had him on the show. We had a great, respectful conversation. We agreed with some of the things she said. We disagreed with other stuff. We've had socialists on the show. We've had people all, from all over the political spectrum. And that's why the cynical part of my brain goes, it's just an excuse. They just don't want to have the conversation. Because they, they lose the conversation. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, if you ever try and engage people like that, you just stay quiet and wait for them to tie themselves in a knot. You know, that's, that's what happens. Anyone who acts in bad faith, you just go, tell me why, sorry. And then they'll, exp they'll say something really compassionate, start off with something very compassionate, like, you know, we just need to really support each other. I, I just don't believe we support each other enough. And I'm like, in what way? Do we, I agree with you. What, what, what do you think we should do to support each other? He's got no idea, mate. No, he's man. cold and dead no, inside. Exactly, because it's like you, the only thing you can be in control of is yourself. Hmm. And they don't want to be in control of themselves, do they? They want to be in control of you and me. And I'm like, no, I'm not up for that. Thanks, chaps. <laughs> um, bye. No. And we've come to the end of uh, the interview. It's been absolutely brilliant, Lawrence, but we always ask one question at the end. Uh, and that it. is, what is the one thing we're still not talking about that we ought to be talking about as a society? Um, kids, education, hmm. how to educate your children. You know, don't leave your children to be educated by someone else. Educate them yourselves as much as possible. Surround your children with adults, surround them with diverse opinions and diverse you know, not the diverse colours and all of this stuff. God, that sounds so patronising. But it's like I don't want to have to point out that diversity includes different coloured skin. Of course it does. Um, yeah, make sure your kids are equipped to deal with the world because they're the ones that are going to have to deal with what comes next. Mm. That's a very good point. Lawrence, thank you for coming back. Thank you for It is me. good to have you back. Um, we're all trying to do the same thing, man. I know. Um, and it's important that, that, you know, I just, uh, I've seen your journey and I think a lot, a lot of people, a lot of people respect you tremendously for speaking on these issues. I respect you tremendously for speaking on this issue and we really appreciate you coming back. I'm really grateful for you having me. Thank you and well done for doing what you're doing because that's part of the answer too. All right. Well, make sure you go and uh, check out Lawrence's, all of his work. White Lines is fucking smashing it. White Lines is smashing it. Yeah. White Lines is smashing it. Let's see whether... My opinions get me into the second series. So. <laughs> <laughs> Got to say, being half South American, I do love white lines. <laughs> <laughs> and on, see, we've gone back to that kind of basement level of humour, as I promised you would happen. Uh, you, the lockdown has served you well, mate. Very good. Um, and uh, I've just broken social distancing on camera, so uh, we're cancelled officially. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll see you in a couple of days with another brilliant interview. And of course, check out our live streams if you haven't already. Uh, that's where all the top level banter happens. Thank you very much and we'll see you very soon. Take care, guys. Before you go, consider joining our exclusive member feed. As a member, you'll get ad-free and extended interviews. Click the membership link in the podcast description or find the exclusive episodes link on your podcast listening app to join us.